0: Welcome to Sanford University's campus worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation.
1: Father, we thank you that you are a trustworthy guide, that in the times of our lives when we feel the most perplexed, the most lost, the most overwhelmed or confused, we can always trust that you are there, speaking to us in ways that we may or may not hear in the moment, But in ways that we look back and see very clearly that you have been faithful. Father, we trust that you are beside us walking on this journey as a companion, that you are before us preparing the way, that you come behind us and you cover over our mistakes and sins. And most of all, Father, that you are in us, that your Holy Spirit gives us truth and wisdom, and guidance when we ask for it. We thank you for your presence here this morning, and we trust you. We pray for Jacob and Suzanne that you will speak through them, and we pray that you will open our hearts to a fresh word from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jacob Simmons. This is my wife, Suzanne.
2: Say hello to Suzanne. You jerks. Say hello to my wife, please. Goodness, uh, it's so nice to be here today. Thank you, Brian and Renee, for being here. Uh, we did graduate from Sanford. We met at Sanford, but we only got married a couple years ago. I'm 32 now, and wife my wife is 29, uh, so that's exciting. We have I have a couple really great memories in this room. Uh, Suzanne and I got married here at Reed Chapel, so that was really sweet. I stood there, and then I stood here. And made a covenant before God, all that good stuff. So that was really nice. I also, uh, my senior year of Samford, so this was 2005, 2006, I got a chance to preach in here. It went really well. I think people are still talking about it. Right? No? No? Oh, okay. We, uh, I did, I was involved in one thing at Samford that was really fun. Uh, Anybody in the Dudes of Plenty step-sing group? No, one, a couple, okay. Me and a buddy of mine helped start Dudes to Plenty, which was really uh, a fun activity, and I have been living off the residual checks from that ever since then. I'm rich, you guys, have I said that yet? I'm wealthy because of step-sing. So we had some great experiences in this room, and then I had 64 less memorable experiences in this room. How many combos do you have to get to graduate? 64, okay, all right, so I get it. All right, so um, I hope you, we are happy to be here. I hope you enjoy it. We'll try to get you out on time. Those are the promises we make, okay? Uh, We want to talk a little bit about wisdom in your 20s. I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes uh, chapter one. Ecclesiastes written by most likely to believe Solomon, the son of David. Uh, This was a man who was privileged and wealthy and a little bit sad. He wanted to know the meaning of life and what it was all about. And I think some of the things he has to say help inform us as we uh, consider what wisdom looks like in our 20s. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It starts out sad. It does get better, but it takes a minute. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. And what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of formal things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over uh, over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom, all that is done under heaven. Is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. It's a pretty dark way to introduce your 20s and for that, I apologize. I say your 20s because I'm 32 and I don't really know what happens next so I can only look back and impart any wisdom I might have gleaned. Um, but the I think the key and what our purpose of, sharing today is that uh, living life for the next 10 years can be hard. It can be confusing. It can be challenging. But God is faithful. A little bit about my story. I graduated from Sanford and then I applied to Beeson Divinity School and got in there. And that was, I was one of those guys that like uh, March 1st was the due date. And so I took my application over March 1st. And uh, the young lady says, uh, have you scheduled an interview? And I said, Interview? I I had no idea. I'm a bit of a procrastinator, so I interviewed there, and God was gracious and got in. Um, After graduating, I graduated in 2009, which, if you'll remember, was a terrible time to try to find a job. Nobody was hiring, and so uh, I was kind of stuck. The Lord had never called me to missions. I interacted with some people who were going to go on the mission field, and that just wasn't really me. But yet, there weren't a whole lot of options, so I considered if I want to pastor one day, which is what I felt the Lord had called me to do, um, it would be good to have a missions experience. And so I moved to London for a year and worked with the London City Mission, which was a a fantastic experience, and God was gracious in that. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, I moved back to Birmingham and actually worked at Beeson for a year and a half sending emails. So that's fun. (laughs) Thank you, Kath. Kath sends a lot of emails, so I think she really (laughs) liked that. Before I moved to Chicago, hopefully to be involved in church planting, which, by the way, never happened, so I guess it was kind of a failure, uh, but I worked on staff at a church in Chicago for three and a half years before moving back to Birmingham. Um, It was a winding path. There was no clear direction at any step of it other than the long, slow march of obedience, which is what we're going to talk about. I'm going to turn it over to Suzanne, who's got share a little bit of her story and uh, her experience of wisdom in your 20s. Suzanne.
3: Good morning, guys. Yeah, I'm Suzanne. And um, as Renee mentioned, I came to Stanford in 2004. I'm originally from Lakeland, Florida. And when I came to Stanford, I had really no idea what I was going to do, what I was going to study. I knew you had to declare a major. That was kind of part of the gig of coming to college. But I was going to put that off as long as I possibly could. So my sophomore year, I decided to declare a major in communication studies. I'd always gotten in trouble a lot in school for talking. And so I figured if I could make a major out of it and maybe get paid for it, that would be a bonus. Kind of redeem some, some bad memories. But um, so I studied communication studies. Great, great path. Not necessarily immediately employable. So, my senior year of college, I was wrestling through what to do next, and with the help of some mentors and friends, used most of my senior year to kind of start beginning to discern a call to ministry, which was nothing, was for something I had never entertained before, and I really was unsure about that being what was next. But as I walked through that year um, and talked to a lot of, of friends and mentors, it kind of became clear that that was. The next step, and the next step in that call to ministry was, was going to be going to seminary, which was very unfamiliar territory for me, and not something that I envisioned doing when I came to college. So, uh, enrolled in Beeson, started there in 2008, and that's a, about a three and a half year degree. So, it wasn't something that um, was a light investment. So, I went to went to Beeson, still not quite sure what what was gonna what life was gonna look like after that. I knew kind of that that was the next step and that I was, I was faithfully taking one step in front of the other, but never really knew what a call to ministry was gonna look like long-term. So I graduated in 2011 from Beeson, and then I got a job as a college minister here at a church in Birmingham for a couple years. And during that time, loved that job. It was kind of a dream job. I felt like I had hit my groove, and I felt like I was, I was getting paid for the first time in my life and it was fantastic and was getting to, to serve in the local church, which was, which was really life-giving for me. During that time, Jacob and I reconnected and started dating and got married about a year later. And then we moved up to Chicago where he was living and got married in 2013. Lived up, I lived up there with him for about a year and a half after we got married. Then we moved back last summer to Birmingham. So that's the, that's the highlight reel of my story. And I realized, as I've told that to people, you know, as I make new friends or as I share with people from our church, our story, my story, I realized that the kind of aerial view of my life looks like things just kind of clipped right along. It looks like, oh, well, you just did this, and then very naturally you moved to this, and then very naturally you moved to this, and then this happened, and it all makes sense. And it all kind of ties up very nicely like a package with a bow. But the reality is that the, my, the years of my 20s, especially college and grad school and immediately after, were full of a ton of missteps and bumps and uncertainties. And so this morning I wanted to kind of get back down on the ground of that story rather than looking at the aerial view and, and, and be able to hopefully speak some words of comfort to you guys who might be in places in your life right now where you're not really sure what's next and you maybe feel this pressure to know exactly what's going to be next and you feel that, that your story kind of has to make sense ahead of time rather than in hindsight. So there's four things that throughout the last kind of eight to ten years, God has slowly revealed to me and it's been very, there've been some difficult lessons, but they've also brought a lot of comfort as I look ahead to my future to see, okay, walking with God is, is going to be a lifetime experience. And if these things are true for the last eight years to 10 years, I can take comfort in holding on to these truths for the future as well. So the first thing is that kind of when I get back on the ground of my story, I realize that God works in process. Nothing happened overnight, nothing happened immediately. I think we feel this pressure to to know, to have exactly what our job after college is gonna look like and know exactly who we're gonna marry and know exactly where we're gonna live before we have to kinda get down on the ground and start thinking through those decisions. And I remember, for example, when I was trying to decide whether or not I was gonna go to seminary, that took a year. It took a year of thinking and talking to people and praying and listening and praying and talking to people. There's no way that it was just one morning I woke up and I thought, okay, this is this is it. Like, I, this is definitely what I'm gonna do. And then when I was in seminary, it was three and a half years of act, of really wrestling with whether or not I was there for a purpose. There were so many days I would wake up and go to class and just be like, okay, I gotta go take this test and I have no idea if I'm gonna use this information and I'm just hoping and praying that God is gonna somehow make this come together. So God works in process. The second thing... That may sound like really bad news, but for me, it has turned out to be good news. Is that God works in uncertainty? Again, I think we crave this one hundred percent certainty. We crave to know what the next right decision can be, and I know for sure that was the case when I was trying to make decisions about life after college. Where should I live? Where should I work? Where should I go to grad school? Who should I marry? And I remember thinking there's a right decision and a wrong decision. And if I make the wrong decision, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But the reality is that is not a very helpful metric for looking at making decisions, especially in your 20s. A much more helpful rubric for making decisions is, is this wise? Is this a wise decision? And in that, there's a lot of uncertainty, because we can't guarantee that the next thing we're going to do is going to turn out to be a smashing success. When we go to grad school, when we move back home, when we take our first job, there's no way for us to know if that is going to be the greatest decision we've ever made, and everything's going to work out, and it's going to lead us to the next thing. We just can't know. But if we if we use the rubric for of wisdom is this a wise decision that can be so much more helpful and so much less paralyzing than is this the right decision the third thing that i take a lot of comfort in especially now cuz we've we've moved back to birmingham we bought a house we both have full-time jobs we're just kind of living life we're going to church we're hanging out with our friends we're going out to dinner know, many too, too many times in a week. Like, we're doing very ordinary, normal things. But the third thing that I've taken great comfort in is that God works in the everyday. In Scripture, we see that many, most times when God encounters people to lead them somewhere, to call them to something new, to, to draw them into a new experience, those people are functioning in their everyday responsibilities. Nine times out of 10, they're tending flocks of sheep, they're working a job, they're doing very ordinary, basic, everyday things. And that's where God encounters us. And I know that to be true in my life as well. I know when we were living in Chicago, January of 2015, We had kind of reached this, we had hit a wall with our experience at the church that we were there with there, and it had been a very hard and hurtful process in a lot of ways, and we weren't really sure what was next. And I had been working a job that was really unsatisfying, and it was, I was sending a lot of emails, (laughs) and I was doing a lot of graphic design, which is not anything I have any experience with whatsoever and should have never been hired. That's a different story. And so I just remember thinking, how on earth is what is, what are we doing here? Like, what are we really doing here? And how are we going to be, how are we going to even know what's next? And so in January of 2015, while we were working those jobs, going in every day, making money, (laughs) serving where we thought we were supposed to be serving, God called us, um, God, actually not, God didn't call us. This guy from Shades Mountain Baptist Church called us. (laughs) And, um, and, and started talking to Jacob about a job. And I just, I remember thinking in that moment that this was maybe where we were supposed to go next. And it was a process, again, of discerning and, and asking questions and figuring out, it took several months to decide if that was where we were gonna go and should we leave Chicago and lots of questions, lots of uncertainty, but we got that call right when we were just doing our everyday job and faithfully serving where, right where we were, even in the midst of it being miserable a lot of the time. And so I take great comfort in that God doesn't always show up in a flash of lightning and you're, the next decision may not be crystal clear, but if, if you are working and serving every day at a job or in your grad school program and that you can kind of count on that the next thing will become clear when it's time for it to become clear. And the last thing that um, I kind of wanted to share is that um, we cannot thwart God's work. I remember being paralyzed a lot of times uh, when I was making. felt like I was making these huge decisions: where to go to grad school, where to live, where to work. Um, I remember thinking, if I misstep, then I will. If I take a wrong step this direction, then this this entire path of goodness and gifts and experiencing God will be, I'll be cut off from it. And the reality is that is that God's grace is sufficient, which means God's grace is enough. There's enough of God's grace to cover the missteps that we may take. And so it's a lot more freeing to know that Instead of fearing if we take one wrong step this way, that we'll never be able to kind of um, see the goodness or to see a to see a plan again, it's it's comforting to know that God's grace is sufficient, and that He is not thwarted or messed up by our by our decisions. So He's not He's not looking at us saying, "Oh, jeez, if she had just majored in nursing, I could have done this other thing." But now. She's chosen communication studies and I, well, see you later. You know, there's just not, our, our decisions are not so important that God cannot cover and redirect and provide in the midst of our missteps. And so um, I, I, I want to close just with um, this kind of throwaway line that a, a mentor when I was in, in seminary mentioned to me one time um, that nothing is wasted in God's economy. So whether you feel like right now you're studying in a program that you're not really sure how it's going to work out, or maybe you're about to graduate and you're getting ready to move back home and you're like, what on earth am I doing? Like moving back home, I'm really considering this. And uh, I, I thought that I would get a job and go do something awesome after graduating, like save the world and like, you know, start a literacy program in inner city New York. I don't know. But the reality is that nothing is wasted in God's economy. So whatever you're investing your time in and whatever you're, spending your life doing, if we are united with Christ, nothing, none of that is in vain and none of that is wasted. So those are just four kind of handles that over the last eight to ten years through a lot of really bumpy steps and a lot of really uncertain days in making decisions, um, God has been kind to, to comfort me with. So hopefully, um, if you find yourself in process or in uncertainty, or doing very mundane, everyday things like going to class and taking tests, take comfort in the fact that God is working and God is using those things for your good and for his purposes.
2: I'd like to pause just to reflect. How's it going? We haven't been in convo in 10 years. I don't know. Frank, is it going okay? Do we need more singing or dancing? Thumbs up? That doesn't give me anything. That's not helpful. Frank, you failed me. I know, Frank, it's fine. It's fine, guys. So uh, four quick points for me after hearing four from Suzanne. Uh, God may not offer clarity or certainty, but he does offer consistency. Uh, We see in stories of the Bible, uh, like Moses, for example, right? He had this great burning bush experience where God told him exactly what to do. And I read that, I'm like, dang, kind of jealous of Moses. I wish I had like a very, yeah, all right, it's scared the hell out of him and he had to take his shoes off and all that other stuff, right? But I uh, I wish, I remember wanting like, tell me exactly what to do. Write it on the wall and like spell it out. And God just doesn't do that for me. Maybe for some people, maybe for you, you were the lucky ones, right? Um, God just doesn't do that. I wanted clarity, right, um, in pursuing and whether I should propose to Suzanne or not. You know, you want that certainty, Lord, I'm going to close this box, and when I open it, if you put a ring inside, then I'll know, right? We want those signs. God just doesn't really work that way for me. But he, well, he doesn't offer certainty or clarity, he does offer consistency. This is good news, that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, and that was, that's good news for me. Because if God isn't saying very clearly, this is what you should do, then all we can do is take one small step of obedience each and every day and hope that that's, uh, we end up where he wants us. And the truth is, we do. That is where we end up. And that's good news. Point two, pruning can be both hard and helpful. So uh, when I was living in London, I remember undergoing what I, looking back, say was a process of spiritual pruning. You know what I mean by pruning, right? My mom, is she likes to garden and she would have this beautiful uh, bush or flower. I don't know. Bush flower biology students, I apologize. I don't know the difference. Um, And she would cut off all of these branches and make it look naked and bare and stupid, ugly. And I was so confused why. And it was so that it would grow bigger. After college and after uh, I left this safe place that Samford kind of is, I underwent a lot of pruning. The things that I was good at, my, my friends, my network, uh, comfort was taken away. But it was so that other things can grow in its place. In London specifically, I was really proud of being able to understand culture and relate to people. I went to a foreign land and a foreign environment where I didn't know anyone. I realized at the end all I can control are my attitude and a sense of humor. That's the only things I had control over. Everything else I felt totally out of control But the Lord used that. He taught me that you can move away, you can survive, you can thrive in a place where you don't initially feel comfortable. Pruning was the process that led me there. So pruning can be both hard and helpful. Point three, uh, nobody wins your 20s. Nobody wins your 20s. Does anybody of you, I'm not saying you would be this person, but does anybody know somebody that peaked in high school you can raise your hand if you know somebody that peaked in high school. Yeah, okay. God, what a sad story, right? It was awesome for high school, but now when you go home and they help you at Best Buy, I'm kidding. I don't know. I don't know where they may or may not work. That's If you work at Best Buy, that's a great stepping stone to management at Best Buy in a long career. I, I should stop. We should pray and go. No, but nobody, if you peak in your 20s... I, You've got another 40, 50 years to live. Nobody wins their 20s. And also because what your experience will look like is very different from what someone else's experience will look like. For some, you may get married this summer or next summer, and and your 20s are going to look like getting married and starting a family. That wasn't my experience, and so I don't know how or why that happens, but uh, that wasn't my experience. And for others, it will look like moving away and going to a different place and uh, maybe not achieving the business success that you want or the career or professional success you're looking for, but um, it's gonna look different and nobody wins. Again, kind of like Ecclesiastes, I'm giving you some bad news. For that, I apologize. It gets better. Can I say that? I don't know if that's a campaign I can say if we can align ourselves with, but it gets better. Anywho, we're moving right along. But the next 10 years of your life, You are laying the foundation for your future, and everyone's future is going to look different. Uh, My final point, lean into the awkward. Lean into the awkward. Um, I imagine uh, at Samford, things are a little less awkward, or at least you've learned how to avoid the awkward things and embrace the comfortable. It gets awkward after that. How do you date? How do you make new friends? Um, We... At Shades the other night, we were talking to some graduating seniors, and we talked about this. How do you make new friends at the age of 22? Why why do I need to think about new friends? I'm an adult now, you know? Uh, But lean into the awkward. There are awkward things that will come, and if you run from them, then you find life, uh, your life being dictated by your circumstances instead of being led by the Spirit of God. If we continually run and avoid what is awkward, Uh, then our circumstances are going to dictate what our life looks like. But we have to lean into the awkward uh, in order to follow the Spirit of God. And this isn't just professional. This is personal as well. That if we, as people of faith, uh, which many of us may be, if we don't do awkward things, we're going to find ourselves avoiding evangelistic conversations, avoiding tough conversations with our future spouses and our future children. We, as Christians have to be okay with awkward because that's where the Lord will take us. So when you find yourself in something awkward, take a moment and realize how you can lean into this, how you can overcome it and make it comfortable because once we make the awkward comfortable, then the Lord is really going to use us. Um, At the end of Ecclesiastes, after Solomon has explored all of these different meanings of life and uh, how to achieve happiness he ends with this and this is Ecclesiastes 12 13 the end of the matter all has been heard fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man what is the meaning of life what is the meaning of our 20s how do we navigate its wisdom and wisdom tells us that at the end of the day fear God and keep his commandments It doesn't matter what we do or how we do it. We are asked and encouraged to fear God, recognize, worship God, and keep his commandments. Looks like following Jesus. Looks like being disciples of Christ. It looks like a long, slow march to obedience. Fear God and keep his commandments. Uh, We're going to end And I'm gonna try to get you out early so that if nothing else, you can say, the Simmons let us out early, and for that, we are thankful. Uh, We're gonna end with a poem. I've titled this, A Poem of Ancient and Modern Wisdom, adapted from Ecclesiastes 3, since we've been in Ecclesiastes. Uh, It's meant to be poignant. It's meant to be funny. You're welcome to laugh at my poem. It's not very good, but we'll do the very best we can. I wanted to lower expectations, This That's great. That's smart. Okay, That's smart. Good. A Poem of Ancient and Modern Wisdom, by Jacob and Suzanne Simmons, thank you.
3: For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die.
0: A time to enroll and a time to graduate. A time to
3: plant and a time to pluck up what is planted.
2: A time for moving back home
0: and a time for starting a new adventure. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to make a new friend and a time to be an old friend.
3: A time to break down and a time to build up.
2: A time to use your strengths and a time to work on your weaknesses.
3: A time to weep and a time to laugh.
2: A time to study and a time to go to Sonic.
3: A time to mourn and a time to dance.
2: Booty, 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 rocking everywhere.
3: A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together.
2: A time to quit a frustrating job And a time to endure it because you really need the money.
3: A time to embrace. And a time to refrain from embracing. A time to kiss on the mouth.
2: And a time to definitely stop kissing on the mouth.
0: A time to seek and a time to lose. A time for first dates and a time for hard breakups. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to text and a time to pick up the phone and speak into it. A time to tear and a time to sew. A time for some retail therapy and a
2: time to try that old sweater again.
0: A time to keep silence and a time to speak. When in doubt, shut up and listen. A time to love and a time to hate. A time to lean into the awkward and a time to get the heck out of there. A time for war and a time for peace. A time for rest
2: and a time to serve. Let's pray together. Lord, we seek your wisdom. In all things, we seek uh, your good and the path that you have laid out for us. Father, I pray for these students and these friends that you would lead them. Uh, When you are not clear and when you're not certain, Father, I pray because you are consistent that you will uh, continue to speak to them uh, through your word, through the church, through friends, through your Holy Spirit, that you would guide them uh, through this summer, through the next school year, uh, for, through graduation and um, as they continue to follow you uh, the rest of their lives. We thank you for the chance to be together today, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: For more information about Sanford University, check out samford.edu.